Napa know-how. Keeping it simple is usually a good thing. And when it comes to rewards programs, keeping it simple is always a good thing. That's why we made the Napa Rewards program effortless. All you need is your phone number to start saving on the parts and tools you need. Then we automatically give you $5 off your next purchase for every 100 you spend. So start saving today with Napa Rewards. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Climbing the Ivy on the Fan Side of Network. This is your host, Alex Pat, as usual, alongside Adam McGinnis. A lot has happened since we were on the air last. Uh, we have offensive breakouts. Uh, the Cubs got a new bat in the lineup. Continued success from another trade that we made. And a lot more as we go on into the final month. But first, let's welcome in our co-host, Adam. Adam, how you doing tonight? Fantastic. Thanks. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So the last time we were doing a show, that was Monday evening of last week. So pretty much a week plus a day in between that time has had a lot of different things happen. Uh, The offense is alive again, because remember the last time we were on this show, the offense was kind of dead. But one of the things that most people were talking about was the trade for Daniel Murphy. They claimed him off waivers from the nationals. They worked out a trade. They brought him in. Uh, They played the tigers, the reds, and now they're playing the Mets and the offense uh, has done great. They're scoring a ton of runs again. They're hitting the ball, the ballpark. They're scoring runs in other ways. Um, What was your initial reaction when they made the trade with the nationals? Because I don't think anyone was expecting that. No, I was a little surprised uh they got him basically for nothing uh so that's good i mean he is a rental but yeah i i was pretty surprised by that trade it didn't make a whole lot of sense to me at the time but i can't i can't argue with it at this point i mean they haven't lost a game yet since they got him and he's been far and away best hitter so i mean i'm all on board now well you know when they made the move i said to myself there must be something going on in the infield. There's got to be like either Chris Bryant is really not doing well, uh, who right now, as we speak, is um, in the process of making some rehab starts with South Bend. Uh, but, you know, I was worried about him because he's been out for a while. And then the other thing I thought of was Addison Russell, because we heard uh, talks from Joe Madden saying that uh, he had some hand problems. And sure enough, when they got Murphy on the squad, uh, Addison Russell went to the DL, and I don't think that surprised many, considering that was kind of the talk. When, when the move was made, it was surprising, but once they brought him in, people started to think, okay, maybe there's uh, something going on here injury-wise. But yeah, um, they uh, brought him right in. Uh, his first game was in Detroit, the second game of that series, and they started scoring again. The nice thing about the offense, though, is it seems like you're getting good performances from pretty much everybody right now. Is there a game that stands out to you offensively that this ga- uh, this team has had in the past week? Well, I I would say last night. I mean, they were really clicking last night, and the, 
the highlight of that game for me, obviously, I think it would be for most people, uh, John Lester's two RBI single. I mean, yeah. that was nobody expected that. I mean, well, it, yeah, it's 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 a it's a pretty well known fact that John Lester is not one of the better hitting pitchers in the league, though he has uh, gotten better over the course of his career with the Cubs. I mean, he was really, really awful. I would say really he's evolved to a respectable guy. hitter, actually, as a pitcher. He, he's he's not a definite out anymore. Yeah, that's for sure. He's he's not. You can't take that for granted if you're uh, one of the pitchers, because uh, he he will give you a tough at bat. I mean, he doesn't fold like he used to. Well, no. And the other thing is not only like just hitting, but he's a great bunter. He's a great bunter. He is. Yeah. They've brought him into, to a pinch hit just to lay down a bunt on numerous occasions. We saw it win ball games for goodness sake. Yeah. Yeah, we did. I mean, yeah, John Lester, he, I, I got to respect the fact that he's, he's worked on his game at the plate. Like that shows a lot. Absolutely. And one article that I'm writing for, for Cubby's Crib, it's going to be out uh, Wednesday morning, is kind of how he killed all the narratives coming into 2015 that he had, the bad ones surrounding him. Yeah, he's a great pitcher, but he can't throw to first base. Uh, He picked off a guy. He can't hit. He hit an RBI single. And he can't really defend either way in the mound. And he made that great uh, snag on that line drive to end the inning to cap off his game. I thought it was actually pretty funny how he killed pretty much every narrative surrounding him. And he did it with that grand finale, with that great glove snag. It was like he went out fittingly with a great play. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's worked on everything. He's, I, I just, I still, I can't get over that at bat last night. Like I was, sort of uh, irked at the beginning of the game because Lester was batting eighth and I'm just not a huge fan of batting the pitcher eight. And mm-hmm. so when he came up to bat with the bases loaded and I, I was just, I was angry because I, I felt that should have been a hitter, but boy, was I wrong. Never questioned Joe Madden, I guess, even though, uh, he does some unorthodox things. Uh, it all worked out. But, you know, I definitely agree with you in terms of offense standing out. I mean, mainly because they had great at-bats, great approaches. They hit the ball hard against one of the best pitchers in the game in Noah Syndergaard. It wasn't some schlub. It was one of the best hitters, uh, best pitchers in baseball. And the hitters did a great job. If it wasn't for a base-running blunder by Javi, they would have had more in that first inning I mean, they were teeing off him, and they were spraying the ball all over the ballpark. That's a sign of when things are working. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And we last show, we talked about how they needed to do well against uh, the Reds in that four-game series because even though the Mets as a team are not good, going against Syndergaard last night and then DeGrom tonight, that, that's going to be a tough two-game stretch. And so uh, it was important for the Cubs to do well against the Reds. They They did. Obviously, they swept him. And then last night was a big win. I mean, I'm not, yeah. I'm not sure a ton of people had the Cubs beating Syndergaard because the Cubs tend to struggle against uh, strikeout pitchers. Yeah, I know. It was kind of a toss-up because you figured Syndergaard is great, but the Mets' offense isn't great and their bullpen isn't great. But if Syndergaard shuts you down for seven, eight innings, that's tough to beat. Right. And, you know, tonight's going to be another tough one. Jacob deGrom... Probably the front runner to win NL Cy Young. 
Yeah, I mean, if the Cubs don't score tonight and strike out a lot, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, most of you are going to be listening to this podcast by the time this game is over, so who the heck knows how it's going to go? Baseball is weird, but yeah, I mean, you look at DeGrom's numbers. They are just, they're fantastic. ERA below two with an 8-8 record goes to show how relevant that is. Yeah, across the board, he's been dynamite. You know what? You know what really is funny to me about that, though, is that if the Cubs pull out a win tonight, if they beat DeGrom, like if DeGrom takes the loss, he will have a losing record. I mean, he could he could yeah. uh, hypothetically end the game tonight with a sub-2 ERA, uh, over 200 strikeouts, a whip below one, and have a losing record. That's how bad the Mets are. Yeah, and how irrelevant that stat is, win-loss. It's actually pretty interesting because – Irrelevant um, to us. I, I yeah. will say that some of those starting pitchers seem, do seem to care about their record. I mean, the fans yeah. generally don't care very much, and you know, the statisticians really don't care. But the pitchers themselves seem to care a lot about their record. Yeah, and, you know, I guess I can't really blame them. I mean, it's I, – I guess – I don't know if you call it pride, but it is still something that they hold on to. And, I mean, look – the pitcher win, as irrelevant as it is, especially these days, was very important for a very long time. And you look at a lot of pitchers in Cooperstown, uh, one of the golden standards for the longest time was the 300 win mark. It, it's, it's a stat that doesn't mean anything, but you can't just get rid of it, if that makes sense. No. You can't just cut it out. Well, and it, and it makes sense, too, that it's not as relevant today because, I mean, back in the day, pitchers went longer. The game was – Right. It was a different game back then, and it was it was way more common to see pitchers go eight or nine innings every single time. And so whether you got a win or a loss, it, it did have it, – it was more on your shoulders than it is today when you've got bullpen guys going three, four innings a game. And it continues to evolve to see pitchers go less and less starters, for instance, I should say, I I feel like it's continuing to kind of shrink their window. When you see pitchers go seven innings these days, you're like, wow, that's a great outing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. You wouldn't have batted an eye at that, you know, 20, 30 years ago, that would have been just a, a regular day. But now, yeah, if you, if a pitcher goes seven or eight innings, that's, that's a, that's a highlight real start. Put this in perspective. Uh, I was doing some research uh, for some Cubs history stuff with uh, Wrigley Report, uh, just kind of for fun. I was doing it as a side project. I was looking up a box score of an opening day, and it was Fergie Jenkins versus Bob Gibson, Hall of Famer versus Hall of Famer, Cubs versus Cardinals, opening day Wrigley Field. Billy Williams hit a walk-off solo home run to win the game. Final score was one nothing. It went into extra innings, 10 innings. Gibson and Jenkins pitched the whole game. No relievers in extra innings. They pitched the whole game. Wow. Yeah, that's you will you just never don't, see, you that. Don't see that. No, no, that's un, that's unheard of in today's game. I mean, I'd be shocked if a starter went all nine and then started the first batter of a tenth inning, even if he was like around. A hundred so pitches, you just you wouldn't see that. You would say, no. "All right, you know, bring in a closer, no. high end reliever." Yeah, there isn't a manager in the league that would send their pitcher out for the tenth. There's just no way. Not even Dusty Baker. 
No, good old Dusty. Good old Dusty. So, yeah, it's interesting kind of how that all works. But, yeah, I mean, if they face Syndergaard and DeGrom back-to-back and you win at least one of those, no matter how bad the Mets are, you would say mission accomplished because you could easily lose two. So that was definitely a big win, especially since the Cardinals and the Brewers are both off. So you were guaranteed with a win to gain some uh, more separation, even though it was just a half game. You still gained more with a win. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can't realistically expect the Cubs to beat Syndergaard and DeGrom. I mean, obviously, they very well could, and I hope they do. But uh, I'm not going to be too upset if they lose to DeGrom tonight because taking one of those two games is still huge. And then game three, obviously, Jason Vargas is very beatable. Yeah, I mean, like I said, if you take two or three from this series, that means you went, what, seven and two? Over this stretch, that's exactly what yeah. we wanted. Is this going to be seven? Is this seven in a row? Uh, yeah, they've won six in a row because they lost yeah. the first game against Detroit, and then they beat Detroit four against the Reds, and then uh, last night against uh, Syndergaard. Yeah, so tonight they're going for seven. And even if you do lose the last two, six and three is still a pretty good job over that stretch. I would like seven yeah. and two, but six and three minimum isn't bad either. Right. And, and it's a great home stretch. Yeah. I mean, let's face it, no matter who you're playing, you're still playing MLB teams. And when you don't get a lot of rest, it's still tough. It is tough. And that's just, that's how baseball is too, is that you know, any team can win on any given day. Uh, sometimes it doesn't work out. Uh, for the favorable pitcher, favorable team. It's, that's just the way it is. Yeah, absolutely. I got to ask you this uh, about last night's game against the Mets. Was it Conforto who hit that home run? Did you see that? The the deep one to center. That was a, oh my God, that was, he crushed that. I have never seen a ball land that far up the bleachers ever. Yeah, that, I know I'm not yeah, that old, I, but I've never seen it. Yeah, I, I, I haven't either. That was, that was quite a shot. But Javier Baez's bomb against the Reds the other day, that was something. I'm sure you saw that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Man, give that guy his his, uh, MVP already. That's what I say. uh, As biased as I can be, yes, I would say, though I do feel like Nolan Arenado is the guy who's probably going to win it. I don't know what you think, but my bet would be on Arenado, personally. Nolan Arenado, Nolan Schmarinado. (laughs) That guy can, he can kick rocks. This is Javi Baez's award. Ha, kick rocks. Ha, ha. Ha. Oh, come on. That was gold. (laughs) Oh, brother. But um, I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to talk about the offense. I have one more point I wanted to make about it. That's Anthony Rizzo. In case you haven't okay. noticed, he's been on quite a tear. And he is slugging the ball, which is what we've wanted to see for a while. He's hitting home runs. He's hitting doubles. For a while, his OPS was kind of hovering around meh. But now it's up to 851. Uh, what's your take on Anthony Rizzo lately? Because I think he's looked great at the plate. Yeah, he's been phenomenal. I mean, he he looks like the Anthony Rizzo we're used to. The despite his, I mean, he had a really long cold stretch this year, 
But Two long you look cold at his stretches, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. But if you look at his slash line right now, it looks really good. And 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 I don't mean just relative to what it was. It just is a good slash line. Period. And then 22 home runs, 80 plus RBI. Like he's he's turned things around to the point where he's really going to have a great season. Everyone needs to go right now on Baseball Reference and look up Anthony Rizzo's stats. Look at the stats from 2014 onward. The consistency is pretty remarkable. Wouldn't yeah, you say? It's, oh, yeah. Yeah. Great average every year. Uh, fantastic on base percentage, slugging the crap out of the ball. And, you know, he's going to be. I don't know if he'll do it or not, but it's looking like he, this is going to be his fifth year in a row hitting 30-plus homers. Yeah, I mean, I think that he can do it ideally if he stays like this. He's got another month and few days to do it. I think that he hit can eight, hit around 30. Yeah, yeah. It could, I mean, even if he doesn't get there, it's, that's, still just, that's still consistency. I mean, you look at the home run totals. 14, 32, 15, 31, 16, 32, last year, 32. And if he could reach 30, 31, you're on that same pace every year. And that's a good pace. Um, For the other stats, he's right around where he usually is average, uh, mid to high 270s, the 280-ish. The on-base is a little lower. I think that he'll probably but finish somewhere in the 370s, but it's still not bad at yeah, all. That's, that's still good. Yeah, that's still way above uh, league average. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he hasn't drawn as many walks as he did last year. Cause last year's OBP was 392, but again, he had that slumping time. So, yeah, you know, that kind of put a little dent in there. Right, and he could potentially, this could be his fourth year in a row, uh, getting over 100 RBI. Yeah, he's at 86 now. He could probably reach that. Yeah, 14 in a, that's 14 in a month and change. That's, that's very doable. And, you know, RBIs is another stat where you could kind of go meh at sometimes, but I think when you reach 100 RBIs, it may not be a measuring stick of value, but it can at least go to show that you have the ability to drive in runs, which, you know, is something important for many players. It is funny, yeah. though. If you look at 2014, he had 78 RBIs that year, but the team around him was bad. So it does make a difference. But, you know, it, it's it's a little stat that you can at least look at. Yeah, but, I mean, he... He turned things around big time. If the season ended today, you could look at his final stat line and say, yeah, Anthony Rizzo had a good year. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. If it maintains around this area, I will definitely be happy with that. I mean, that slump to start the season was brutal to watch. Yeah, it was long. So, I mean, that that just tells you how hot he's been lately to, to have gotten his average back up to 276. Yeah, and hopefully he can keep it up because I would love to see him keep it up. I, and, I don't want to see kind of another dip. Right, and that home run to RBI ratio is really great too. Like that's that's yes, something that not yeah that's something that not a lot of people uh, look at as often as they should. I think is that your home run to RBI ratio. If you've got if you've got twenty five home runs and and forty five RBIs, that's not great. But you know. So, I mean, he's he's driving in runs, not just with the long ball. 
Yeah, you're seeing, like I said, a lot of doubles, and he's able to find some grass because one of the frustrating things about Rizzo is when he's in a slump, he pulls a lot of ground balls, and obviously they have the shift on him, so it's not like any pulled ground ball is going to find a hole because there's someone covering every spot. Right, right. So, yeah, I mean, you got to love what he's doing. You hope the offense can keep it up. Um, But another thing about this team is the starting pitching, something that we have been kind of on in a negative way through most of the season. Knock on wood, as we go into September, last few weeks, it's looking more like the rotation that we've wanted to see. I don't know what your opinion is, but I think the stats don't lie. No, stats don't lie. I still, you know, the way things have gone all year, I'm still worried. Every time Jose Quintana takes the mound, every time Kyle Hendricks takes the mound, and John Lester, for that matter, too. Like, it's just, it's been such a yo-yo with those guys. It's so up and down that I just, I have no idea what to expect each night. Yeah, you know, here's the thing. I agree with some of that. I definitely agree on Jose Quintana. Um, I think right now he's probably the pitcher I trust least, which we'll get into that poll that I ran on Twitter just a sec. Kyle Hendricks, though, pretty promising stuff we've seen the past few starts. I'm starting to kind of think that he's coming back. Again, knock on wood, I do tend to jinx things, but uh, so if I do, I'm sorry, but His last start against the Reds was really good. And yeah, you could say it was the Reds, but they still have some sluggers and the wind was blowing out. And the past few starts before that, honestly, the stuff was better than the lines. You saw like one fluky bad inning and a couple of those starts kind of make the line look worse than he actually was. I think that the stuff looks a lot better and I'm seeing a lot more missed bats from him. Yeah, I I agree with that. I I definitely I feel more confident in Kyle Hendricks than I do in Jose Quintana and John Lester too, right at the moment. Yeah, I mean that's fair. With John Lester, I'll have my faith in him in the postseason because he always seems to bring it around then. You know, right now it's like I I'm kind of 50-50 on him. I'm like, "Okay, he can either look good or he can not look good." Now, you got to give him a lot of credit in the first game against the Mets. He had nothing going the first two innings, and it looked like it was going to be a short, disastrous night. But from the fourth inning to the sixth inning, or I should say the third inning to the sixth inning, he really locked himself in. He was locating better. The movement was there. It it was like night and day between the first two innings and the last of his performance. Yeah, and that's that's what a good leader does. And it would have been Mm -hmm. easy for him to get overly frustrated and uh, kind of give up mentally, but he fought on and, and finished strong and that the Cubs won. Well, look, if there's a guy that doesn't let pressure get to him and lets him be stronger, it's John Lester. Right. Yeah. It's, I mean, he, he's, he's just a different guy when the pressure is on him. Like there, there isn't a pitcher in the MLB that, that handles it better than John Lester does. And he's so even used with to all that he can't throw to first, all the yada yada, he feasts on the pressure. Yeah, well, maybe not. Uh, he can't throw, you know, in the traditional sense to first, but he he figures out a way to get it there. And that's exactly what I say in my upcoming article. It's or it's unorthodox, but it works. I mean, yeah, as long as yeah. it works, right? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 decent enough to keep base runners honest. Yes, yes, it is. 
So this is going to bring us to the Twitter poll. So in case you're listening and you didn't see the Twitter poll, uh, the question was, which starting pitcher do you want in a must-win playoff game right now? The options were Lester, Hendricks, Hamels, Quintana. Um, little uh, Part one of our guessing game for you, who do you think got the most votes? Uh, I'm gonna, it's got to be Hamels. Uh, I would think by a lot. You are correct. 63% of the vote, Cole Hamels. All right, second most votes. Um, second most, I'll say Kyle Hendricks, just based on his last start. Mm-mm. Nope. John Lester then. Yep. 24%. Okay. Okay. Now third. Third's got to be Kyle. Correct. 12%. 1% and voted for Quintana. Yeah. <laughs> who did that? I noticed that when I voted. <laughs> who did do- that's got to be a troll job right there. That can't, nobody seriously would take Quintana to start game one. I wouldn't think. I mean, there, there shouldn't be any logical reason to do that. Look, I love Jose Quintana, but yeah, no way. Uh, yeah, all, I would take any of those three over him. And I hate to say, cause I really do like the guy, but no, if this was t- the White Sox version or even last year's version of Quintana, maybe a little different, but right now, unfortunately, right now, no. No, I, I want to know who voted that way. Like, raise your hand, please. Don't do drugs, kids. Mm, I, I'm scaling the room and nobody's raising their hand, so uh, we may have to start some interrogations here. It's going to be a long night. Put on another pot oh, yeah. of coffee. Yep, I'll get it brewing. We got we got to get this done. But yeah, I mean, the results aren't that surprising to me. Cole Hamels, I'm sorry if we jinx him. If you're listening to this and he gets shelled by the Mets, I'm sorry. We're recording this right before the game, but nothing can take away from his first five starts, a 0.79 ERA, a 2.36 FIP, a 0.941 WHIP in 34 innings. I mean, wow. Did you expect this? No, not at all. Not, if you said not you even, did, you'd be lying. Yeah, I, I did not expect anything close to this. There's, there's no way. I thought, you know, at best, I thought he would be like a 380 ERA guy for the Cubs. Yeah. I did not expect just sheer dominance like this. And his last game was a complete game, too. The first thrown by a Cub. If you would have told me before the season started that the first complete game would have been pitched by Cole Hamels, I would have yeah. said you were nuts. <laughs> yeah, I would not have believed that. I, there's there's no way. But I, I voted for Hamels in your poll, and it, obviously this is one of those things that is subject to change because a lot of, could happen between now and the start of the postseason. Right. But it, as things are playing out now, uh, it would be Cole Hamels for sure. I mean, he's he's just – his stuff has been electric. He's been their most consistent pitcher. It's It's got to be him in game one if he keeps this up. And I will add that this poll got 196 votes. So we got a pretty good sample size here of the fans on Twitter. I mean, obviously, it wasn't like all of Cubs Twitter voted, but 196 votes. That, that's a pretty good uh, chunk for a poll right there. Yeah. Goes to show yeah. that a lot of people are into Cole Hamels right now, and they have every right to be. As they should be, yeah. And look – it's not like Cole Hamels is like a James Shields type guy that just started being good again. This is 
Cole Hamels has had a really good career, both in the postseason and in the regular season. And he's, he's been one of the best uh, National League pitchers for many years before he went to Texas. Yeah, dare I say Hall of Famer? I mean, he, he could be borderline. Well, if he's only 34, if he goes another five years and puts up kind of the consistent numbers that he's put up for most of the years, I mean, you look at a lot of his seasons and the ERAs are between like three and 340. I mean, that's really good. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's had one hell of a career. Okay, so before the show started, I told you to bring up uh, some baseball reference pages, and I told you that side-by-side have Cole Hamels and John Lester side-by-side together. Got him but up, I yeah. told you not, not to look at the stats. Not looking, nope. Okay, so I'm going to read several stats for both these guys, and you have to tell me which one is which. Are you ready? Okay. We're going to call this first player player plebe. Okay. You got to decide if it's Lester or Hamels. All right. So player plebe, 339 ERA, 365 FIP, 1.17 WHIP, 2510.2 innings pitched. Okay. That's player plebe. Now this is player knob. 352 ERA, 363 FIP, 1.25 WHIP, 2336.1 innings pitched. Is player plebe Cole Hamels or is player knob Cole Hamels? Hmm. Well, first of all, I I find it interesting that you named both players after yourself. Well, that's um, I I have to do that. Okay, yeah. Um, I'm going to say plebe is Hamels and knob is Lester. You would be correct. Good, good work. But you see the similarities between those two? Yeah, pretty crazy. Very similar careers. And they've had pretty much the same service time. They started in the big leagues in 2006 at the age of 22. 365 FIP versus 363 FIP. I mean, that's, that's almost exactly the same. Yeah, that's 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 pretty pretty crazy. It really is. Now, both have had successful postseason careers. Now, Hamels has had a few rough stints in the postseason, but early on in his career, you saw what he did in 2008. He was the MVP of the 2008 World Series, and then you had John Lester, MVP of the NLCS in 2016, one of the best postseason pitchers of all time. So they've both had their successes in October. They both also throw with their left hand. So, you know, la-di-da. Well, that's, that's a really interesting observation that they're both left-handers. I'm impressed. Yeah, I, it took a lot of research to get that one. I bet. I bet. You really did your homework. I know I did. And uh, naming those two players, Plebe and Knob, or just because I am both of those and Adam is both of those, they are certainly no not. I just kind of wanted to make it funny. That'll work. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully that these two can continue their postseason success this year uh, because they're definitely going to need it. You need your rotation to be top-notch in the postseason. 
And look, if you have Lester and Hamels doing what they do in the postseason and Kyle Hendricks doing what he does in the postseason, if three out of your four starters are excelling, I mean, that's pretty good news for you. Quintana doesn't have to be amazing, but as long as he's solid, and he's had two solid postseason starts in his career, both last year, uh, before that one really bad one. But if, if you get that, then you're in pretty good shape. Yeah, and I mean, we've talked about this a ton. If these guys pitch like they're capable of, then the Cubs will be just fine. But they've been so inconsistent all year that, that it's hard not to worry a little bit going down the stretch here. Right, yeah, naturally. I mean, baseball is a game of ups and downs, and when you have inconsistency, it, it kind of is a coin flip. Um, now, I'll tell you this. Right, so even... No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no you go I... ahead. No, I defer. Oh. Okay, uh, j- just a really quick point. I was just going to say that we, we've given a, the rotation, you know, some critical words because it, it hasn't pitched as well as we thought it would but you know what if they continue like this and do it in the postseason and they make a long run you're going to forget all about the bad that they did you know yeah yeah as soon as soon as october rolls around it's a clean slate start all over Mm-hmm. now what was the point you were going to make uh i lost my train of thought so let's just go ahead and scratch that one off the board all right scratching that off now so those guessing games were fun, weren't they? Do you have any games to play? We got 10 minutes left. Uh, do, you, do you like Twister or Connect Four? Or... Sorry, Boy, I haven't played either of those games in years. I used to play those games a lot when I was a little kid. Me that too. was a staple of the McGinnis household. Yeah, Twister. That was, uh, that was fun, even though I'm pretty sure I tore a ligament during that. But, you know, it was still fun. Yeah, who who doesn't you know break a bone or tear a ligament playing Twister? It just, you know, it happens. Let's see. Uh, I'm trying to think. You know, what's a game we've played earlier in this show that we could just roll with again here? Hmm. Yay or nay is always a good one. Okay, let's let's do yay or nay, and uh, you you start us off, and I and, and I'll think All of right. one while you go. I'll I'll put you on okay. the spot. All right, here we go. Yay or nay, Kyle Hendricks will finish with an ERA below 380. Yay or nay? I'll say yay to that one. I think he's what? He's around that right now, isn't he? 386. 386? So, yeah. I mean, he he gets a couple more really good starts in, and it could happen. But, I mean, obviously, it, it just takes one big clunker, too, for that to uh, all of a sudden become a pretty tough deal, but uh, I'll I'll be optimistic on this one and say, yay, he, he'll do it. Ditto. Ditto. Okay, wow. It's a cold day in hell that we both agree on something here. Yeah, it really is. Everyone uh, take shelter now. Okay, um, let's see here. Uh, yay or nay, David Bodie will play – more than 80 games for the Cubs next year. Ooh, that's a good one. Hmm. Ooh. Boy, that's a good one. Um, 
This is not a knock on Bodie, but I am tempted to say nay because I think they're going to make some off-season moves that may or may not involve a Harper, Machado, and if everybody is healthy, there just wouldn't be room for him. You know, you're probably right. Uh, I want to say yay on this one because I I have a feeling they're going to do something with Addison Russell. Like, it just has this feeling like his time with Chicago is maybe coming to an end, and David Bodie could see more time at second base and you know, slide Javi Baez over to shortstop. So I, I think that's a, a real possibility. But uh, realistically, I, I think the answer probably is no to that one. So I, I'm going to have to unfortunately say nay as well. Yeah, and I mean, both valid points there. Honestly, I, I'm really starting to think Addison Russell just does not fit in here right now. I mean, honestly, I haven't really thought much of Addison Russell since he went on the DL. I mean, everything is working just fine right now. So, um, yeah, I, I just I think that he, if he's going to develop into something, it may be with another franchise. Could be. I mean, he... Addison Russell is a head scratcher. I just don't know what to think of that guy. Yeah, I, I'm I'm right there with you because there are times when you look at the numbers and you're like, wow, those are actually better than I thought he was doing. But before he went on the DL, ugh, not it, it was a, it was a rough rough patch for him, especially at the plate. Yeah, I mean, he there are times at the plate where I I watch him and it's just like, are you hurt or do you just do you not care right now? Like, what's the deal? I mean, there are times where he just looks totally irreverent up there. Like, he just is going through the motions. Yeah, and the other question is, where the heck is the power? There's none of it. Well, yeah, I mean, he was supposed to be a, a perennial 20-home run guy. And yeah, he had we, the 20 home runs and close to that. That was it. Yeah, he did, and and that's that's what made people think, you know, oh, this guy this guy could have some some unexpected power, and you know, maybe that was just an anomaly. Yeah, maybe. I mean, there's been a lot more disappointing than good, but you know, maybe if he's traded and he still has decent value in the eyes of some GMs, and the Cubs get something back, and then you know, he develops into something finally, it'd be a win-win. Yeah, I mean, he's got he's got a world of potential. Yeah, indeed. Okay, yay or nay? Chris Bryant will be back by the Philly series. When is the Philly series? Right after the makeup game against Atlanta, so next week. Next week. You know, interestingly enough, this was going to be mine after when it was my turn. I was going to really, uh, yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna do yay or nay. Chris Bryant comes back within the next two weeks, so you you did a little shorter uh, timetable than what I was going to do. So I'm going to say nay because honestly, even if it was two weeks, I I would still say nay. I just I don't know. We we haven't really been keeping tabs on Bryant. I mean, do we know where he's at? Have we heard? From the team. Well, he's doing, he, he's doing rehab right now. And correction, it starts at the end of this week. It starts Friday, then Saturday, then Sunday. So Okay, I'm going to say nay. I'll, I'll say nay. I, I don't see him coming back this week. Okay, that's fair. 
Um, hopefully he could be back though by next Monday because that's when they play the Brewers. It would be nice to have him back by then. I I hope so. I mean, soon as possible. Yeah. All right. What's your next one? Now that I took yours. Uh, okay. Um, let's see here. Uh, oh man. Yay or nay the Cardinals end up finishing in second in the NL Central. This is a, a stupid one. Nobody cares, but that's what I've got. I'm going to say yay, and I think they make a I think they're going to be a wild card team. I mean, right now, if this were any other team, I would say that they're playing unsustainably good baseball because they are playing unsustainably good baseball. But we're also talking about the St. Louis Cardinals who just when you think they've run out of pixie dust, uh, they just got a whole new shipment from Neverland, uh, personally delivered by yeah. Tinkerbell. So, yeah, I, I think they'll they'll definitely be um, a wild card team. Uh, the Cubs really don't control what they do because they don't play them until the final series of the season. So it's not like the Brewers that where they play fun. the Brewers six more times in mid-September. Uh, but yeah. I just don't see the Cardinals stopping right now. Do you worry about them potentially winning the division? I do. Not as much. Division, no. What If I were to worry about anything, it would be running into a hot Cardinals team in the postseason. That's what I'd be more concerned about. Because okay. they win the wild card game. They play us in the NLDS. Yeah, and you know, I, I agree with you. The Cardinals are they're, they're in better shape than you – know, I don't care how similar their records are. The Cardinals are just a better team than the Brewers all around, I think. Oh, yeah. I mean, the pitching staff is definitely much better. Yeah, and uh, uh, the Brewers had a chance to improve their pitching staff, and they didn't do it. They went out and got Mike Moustakis and Jonathan Scope instead, which I still don't understand. But Yeah, I don't either. Because um, the Brewers, I mean, they're weird. They're, yeah, the right Brewers now, suck. You could I say, hate those guys. They're the worst. Oh. Well, I'm going to take a less harsh approach and just say that uh, right now, knock on wood, it seems like they're starting to really kind of fade. But, you know, sometimes they start to fade and then they rattle off a bunch of wins again. So it's kind of hard to know. They are playing the Reds, so they have an opportunity to really kind of start winning again. But if the Cubs keep winning, then in terms of division, it doesn't really matter. It's going to mean a lot to them for the wild card race, but the Cubs are going to have to go on some big losing streaks and the Brewers are going to have to go on some big winning streaks for them to catch the Cubs. Yeah. And I, I, I would rather see like the Rockies in the wild card game than the Brewers. I I just think that Cardinals Brewers would be a, a boring wild card game. See, I think it would be kind of interesting, but that's more of the rivalry thing. It's not as much matchup though, though, I will say this about the Brewers. They got a heck of a one-two punch in that lineup. Kane and Yelich, that is that is a heck of a one-two punch. I, I got to give them credit for that. I know you oh, won't yeah. because you're, I, you know, I, you're Adam, but I, I think it's a heck of a one-two punch. Give me a little more credit than that. I, I, I agree with that. <laughs> that is a heck of a one-two punch, but it's not enough, though. Like, just having two really good hitters in your lineup is not enough. You can't have... No, I know. You can't have garbage McGarbage face and trashy McTrasherson leading your rotation. 
Yeah, I mean, Trashy McTrashface, that guy, ugh, I don't, he can't field either. He had potential, but he just, you know, living up to his family name. Yeah, yeah, darn shame. Well, we are just about out of time here on Climbing the Ivy. I think we had a really good show. Uh, Adam, as usual, thanks for coming aboard. Whatever. Okay, see you later. Uh, so, everyone, uh, please follow us on social media. You can visit Cubbyscrib.com to check out more content there. We are on iTunes as well, so you can download us there. All of our content will also be posted on Twitter, so keep an eye out for more content. Have a nice night. We'll see you next week. You knew the risks when you decided to drive drunk. There could be a crash. People could get hurt or killed. But that didn't stop you, did it? You knew you could get arrested. You could incur huge legal expenses. And you could possibly even lose your job. You were well aware of the consequences of driving drunk. But one thing's for sure. You were wrong when you said it was no big deal. Drive sober or get pulled over. This message brought to you by NHTSA.